all the way up if you want to. Um, I don't know how this is going to go, honestly, um, which is okay. Because um, uh, sitting down is not normal to me, so I may end up standing up eventually, but it's okay. Um, but this morning, um, I just, I've had a crazy week. But this morning, I, I believe that God wants to free you from the line of thinking that you're trapped in. Just for a minute. He wants to, he wants to change how you, how, how you think. He wants you, to, he wants you to approach him with an open mind this morning. Someone asked that you open your mind just a little bit. And just let's see what, let's just see what happens. If, if, we can, if we can just really see what Christ is speaking to us. But not only what Christ is speaking to us, but also what he can do in us. Because he, like, I honestly believe that God wants to do something in somebody. And, um, like, I probably would have had the week that I've had this week if, I did, if, it, if it wasn't true. Like, there's been thousands of things that's happened this week. It seems like little small things that try to keep me from what happened to me Friday night to what happened, what's going to happen here this morning. I don't know what it is, but we're going to trust that's going to happen. But we, we left off the last couple of weeks where we talked about how Jesus had fed the 5,000 plus people, right? Um, men and women and children. He fed the 5,000 5, plus people with the five loaves and the two fish. He crossed over to the other side of the lake where um, the very people that he just fed, right? He, they just witnessed the miracle how he took five loaves and two fish and fed over 5,000 people. These people had just seen a miracle take place. Like Jesus, they, they, he find, they find Jesus and his disciples on the other side of the lake when he was just trying to have some intimate time with his 12, right? So Jesus starts, Jesus confronts them and just says basically that, they're just following him. They're just coming to find him for what he can do instead of following him for who he was. You with me? Because I think oftentimes we, we chase God for what he can do. We chase Christ for what he can do for us instead of realizing that everything, that, even if all he has done is the cross and the resurrection that frees us from sin and death and, and gives us life. Like if that's the only thing he ever does, that is good enough. Like why wasn't feeding, feeding them from five loaves to fish good enough for them to say, okay, he must be the real deal. Like, I wonder how many times we've made that same mistake where we said, hey, listen, we, <laughs> like, God, can you do something else? I catch myself often doing that. Like, God, can you do something else? Can you prove yourself to me? And he's like, dude, I've already done it. Like, but he's always been gracious to me. Just like Friday night when I made a request, he, he did it. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. If you have any questions, you can find me later. But how often do we miss what Christ has done for us, because we're looking at what he's going to do in the future for us, instead of just being in the very presence, like, I'm in the presence of Jesus right now. But instead of following him for who he was, he, te- he tells them that he, he, that he has, remember he says that he, he wants to give them what matters most, and in the Greek it, it actually translates that Jesus wa- wants, like, he wants to give them more, more than what they're even, like, e- more than the miracle that they're even looking for. He wants to give them more. He wants to give them more. And do you remember how they responded? They responded with a great question. They responded with this. Remember from last week, John 6, 28, it says, they replied, so what should we do if we want to do God's work? That's a great question. Like, that's, that's, that's a question that you should ask, right? Like, what should we do to do your work? And Jesus' response was, Jesus answered, the work you can do for God starts with believing in the one he has sent. All it starts with is believing in, not believing for but believing in. So for those of you who aren't believers in here, or maybe you're listening to this later and aren't believers, your first step is just accept the salvation that comes from Christ. That's just believe in him. And all believing is is saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe. It's faith. It's stepping out going, 
hey, listen, I'm going to believe who you are, who you say you are, and you'll do what you said you will do. So clean me. Wash me. Make me whole. And, but for some of us in here or listening online, they, they, you, you, you're already a believer, and he wants more for you, and all you have to do is believe it to be true. Like there is more than what I'm experiencing right now that he wants to give to me. That's all, that's all it says, is that Jesus says the work you can do for God starts with believing in the one he has sent. So he just confronts them that the only reason you're following me is because of what I've done for you, because I've fed you back here. You want some more bread and fish, right? Hey, they, they go to Long John Silver's if you want that from this point on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, he, but and, so, and then he says, and they, they ask that great question, what can we do to be follow, like to follow you, to do your work, do God's work? And he says, just believe. Well, you want to listen to what they responded with? Now listen to the response. You ready? John 6, 30 through 31, it says, <clears throat> they replied, show us a miracle so we can see it. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think they just missed Jesus' whole point. They replied, show us a miracle so that we can see it, and then we'll believe in you. Moses took care of our ancestors who were fed by the miracle of manna every day in the desert, just like the scripture says. He fed them with bread from heaven. With what, a, what sign will you perform for us? What miracle will you perform for us? I, I guess they forgot that their ancestors started to complain about the very miracle that they were experiencing in the desert. Like after you know, after a while, they started grumbling and complaining. Yeah, where's the mustard? Why, can we get? Can we get something else? Is there something else that can come? Like they, I guess they forgot that part of the story because so so often we get so tired of what God's done for us in the past that we can't. It's hard for us to rejoice about it anymore. It's like we're 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 in this, we're in this season, this generation, this culture. We want the next best thing instead of just basking in what God has already done. Like, he laid down his life to save us. He is the bread of life, as he's about to say. He laid that bread out, broke it apart, so that we can have salvation. That is good enough. It is so good enough. Like like I said, if that's the only thing he ever did, guess what? It'll be fine, because either way, at the end, guess what miracle you get? Streets of gold, being in his presence. Like, 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 read Revelation. Like, you'll get to see this amazing thing. Like, you've got something coming, even if it's not here. Can we just bask in the fact that we have a God who came, Emmanuel, with us and saved us? But they forgot that their ancestors complained about the very miracle they're boasting right here. They got tired of it. <coughs> they got tired of it. But it seems like they totally missed, missed the point that Jesus was making, right? And I wonder how many of us miss what Christ is saying to us because we are focused on what we've been told he is like or or been told how he operates instead of actually listening to what he ha- what he is telling us you've listened to people like me stand up here and say well this is how God operates this is how God well, here's what God wants to do for you and Jesus is going yeah that may be true but I have something special for you because it is a personal relationship like he has something for you <laughs> But we look at, we, we try to figure out that, well, God doesn't operate this way. And, but I have to give these people credit, okay? They were told by Moses, the very person they're talking about, that there would be one like him, a prophet like him, come. And it would be, he would be like them. They hard copied something in their heart that they were taught, that Moses himself had said. But they kind of missed the point. 
they miss the point that he, that he will be like me, but different. He will be a savior. He will do more for me, for you, than what you'd ever dream, think, or imagine. They kind of, they missed how, what the articulation of what that verse was really about, what Moses was really speaking. See, they wanted signs when, when Moses was telling them that this Jesus, this, this Messiah, this prophet that would come after me will want your heart. They wanted signs. Jesus wanted their heart. And here's why. Because what you copy in your heart will set the direction of your life. What you copy in your heart will set the direction of your life. If you have hatred in your heart, guess what? Your life will exude hate. If you have love in your heart, your, your life will exude love. If you have peace in your heart, peace will exude from you. If you have joy in your heart, it will exude from you. What you copy in your heart will set the direction of your life. What are you copying? Are you copying what Jesus says, what Jesus wants for you, or are you copying what you've been told and what you think and what your opinion is? What, what, if, we, what if we began copying the words of Jesus into our heart, not with, not with the situations that we're facing in life, not with what others have to say, but what is Christ saying? Can we begin to copy that into our hearts? Because he said he has more for you, more than you think, dream or imagine. He like he literally has told them and told us that he is he he has more. He has told them and told us that there is not a shortage in heaven for what you're needing on earth. There is not a shortage in heaven for what you're needing on earth. So the very thing that you're asking for, there's enough of it to give you. In fact, he says keep coming back because your my grace and my mercies are new every day. Like you can keep being filled up with it. God has something for you that no one else can give you. Not your husband, not your wife, not your job, not that bank account. He has something for you more than you can even dream. And not many of us are falling short of that because we wanted to stay trapped in what we've copied in our heart for all these years. Let me show you. <clears throat> Let me show you. John 6, 32. The truth is, Jesus said, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. Ooh, this is going to make some people mad, right? Because Moses was their man. He's the OG, right? Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven. It's my father who offers bread that comes as a dramatic sign from heaven. Listen to what he says. The bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give his life to feed the world. To feed the world. And here's the truth. It's only this bread, it's only Jesus can satisfy the hunger in your soul. Only Jesus can satisfy and give you life. Anything else will let you down. Only Jesus can satisfy the hunger of your soul. We've tried filling it up with other things, right? And we still feel hopeless and helpless. It may give us joy or happiness for a short season, but then we're over it, and we want something more. We want something deeper. That's why Jesus is, Jesus is trying to confront these people and saying, don't just look at what I can give you because you'll get tired of it. You'll get tired of that miracle that I give you. Look for me. Only in me can you be satisfied. But we've tried filling up our lives with other things, and we're still feeling hopeless and tired of our life. But it's Jesus who literally said, in Matthew 11, he says this, are you weary? carrying a heavy burden, then come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. 
And he comes back and says, simply join your life to mine. Learn my ways, and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, and easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. You'll find rest in me. But you, if you, I mean, if you want to keep chasing all these other things, by all means, go for it. But you'll never reach that oasis. You'll never find rest and peace in your life. And John, he goes on to say, listen to their response. Another good statement they made. Then, then please, sir, give us this bread every day, they replied. And Jesus said to them, you ready? I am the bread. In the Aramaic text, if you read it, it says, I am the God. I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you'll never be thirsty. Yet, I've told you that even though you've seen me, you still don't believe in me. But every one of my, everyone my father has given to me, they will come and, and, and all who come to me, I will embrace and I will never turn. That's, that's, sometimes I think sometimes we're, when we mess up and we're scared, we, we, we tend to think, no, I don't want to go before God on this. I'm like, God, I know you saw it, but I ain't going to talk about you about it. You know what I'm saying? But he literally just says, anyone who comes to me, I will embrace and I will never turn away. So it don't matter how far you've ran. He's still going, I'm here. I will embrace you. If you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're weary, just come to me. I'm your oasis. I'm your place of rest. I will embrace you and never turn, turn them away. And I have come out of heaven, not for my own desires, but for the satisfaction of my Father who sent me. My Father who sent me has, has determined or sealed that I will not lose even one of those he has given to me. And I will raise them up in the last day. So it doesn't matter how far you've ran, you're still his. He's just waiting for you to come back home. The prodigal son, the father stayed on the porch waiting for his son because he knew his son was going to come back. He's like, I know, I know my son's coming back. He knows you're coming back. He's waiting, and then when he sees you turn, guess what he's going to do? He's going to do what the father did and just start sprinting, saying, bring the robe, bring the ring. He, my, has, my son has returned. My daughter has returned because he cares for his children. He'll never lose one. Verse 40, for the longing of my father is that, the, is that everyone who embraces the son and believes in him will experience eternal life. And I will raise them up in the last day. And here's the great news. Eternal life doesn't start at death. Eternal life starts now. Like, God wants you to have a kingdom life here. That's why the prayer that we pray says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You have access to a kingdom living while you're here. And with that kingdom living comes all authority we talked about last week, to do amazing signs, amazing things. Like, you have the power flowing through your veins. You have kingdom power flowing through your veins. You are a child of the king, and you are represented. You carry all authority. You carry the ring that can seal things. Are you living in that, living that way? Are we tapped in? Are you tapped in? That's not even in my notes. So I'm going I'm to have to, I'm going to get back to here, okay? Our supply, here's a note I want you to take. Based on the text we just read, our supply will become enough every time you go before Christ. Well, Derek, I don't know if I have it in me. Go before Christ. Derek, I just don't know if I can do that. Okay, go before Christ. Our supply will become enough every time you go before Christ.
I just don't know if I can face tomorrow. You're right, you can't. Go before Christ. Well, I don't know if I can go talk to that person. You're right. Go before Christ, and he will fill you with the Spirit, and you'll know what to do. Here's also what it tells us. Is our confidence is in Christ's ability to hold on and not our ability to perform. So even if you screw up, guess what? It says his word will not return void. The word that he spoke over your life will not return void. What he has for you will be fulfilled. That's the great news. So you can be screwed up from the floor up, and guess what? You're fine. You're fine. Go before him, because our confidence is in his ability, not in in ours to perform. Okay? Verse 41. When the Jews who were hostile to Jesus heard him say, I am the bread that came from heaven. Now from heaven, here's what I pointed out earlier in the Aramaic, in the Aramaic text, which is the language that Jesus spoke, he says, I am God, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Okay? So this is why they're a little, little, little fidgety. Okay? When the Jews who were hostile to Jesus heard him say, I am the bread that came down from heaven, they immediately began to complain. How can he say these things about himself? We know him and we know his parents. How dare he say, I have come down from heaven? Okay, so in the Old Testament, it says that when the Messiah comes, they won't know where he came from. Okay, so that's why they're pointing that out. We know who his mommy is. We know who his daddy is. We know where he came from, right? There's this Old Testament. But they, again, they misunderstood because they, what Jesus will, will read here in a minute later Jesus will tell them, you don't know where I came from because I came from heaven and you don't even look in that direction. You've not seen God. You've not been in his presence. I have. You don't know where I came from. Okay? So how can you say these things about himself? We, we know him and we know his parents. How dare he say, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus responded, stop your grumbling. Sounds like a Baptist church right here. You know what I'm saying? Jesus responded, stop your grumbling. The only way people come, let me just stop right here for a second. I think sometimes we, church people, we grumble too much, like we complain too much, instead of just getting our hands dirty and doing what we need to do to see people come to know Jesus. Well, I don't want to do it that way. Who cares if you want to do it that way? Because you're not doing anything besides just sitting here. You know what I'm saying? Get up and do something. Get on a phone call and have a conversation with somebody about Jesus. When you're in the cubicle at work, talk to somebody about Jesus. If you, if you complain about how the church is doing things, well, then you go be the church. That's... Okay, quit. Okay, the only way people come to me is by the Father who sent me. He pulls on their hearts to embrace me. And those who are drawn to me, I will certainly raise them up in the last day. Here's, here's great news about this right here. Is that that word pull literally means, from the Greek, that he will drag by force. So either way, you're going to do what you're supposed to do, whether you want to do it or not. So you might as well do it joyfully. You're going to glorify him one way or not. You with me? Talked about that a couple weeks ago. But he goes on to say this. He says, Jesus continued, it has been written by the prophets that they will be taught by God himself. And the great news about that is you don't have to come to me to be able to talk to God. You can go straight before God because God will teach you himself. That's why I can't understand the Catholicism. You don't need to go to a priest to reach God. You can fall on your face and pray to God yourself. Because it says that Jesus is our, is our mediator between, between us and God. You can talk directly to Jesus. Jesus has been written by the prophets that they will be taught by God himself. If you really listen to, the, to the, father, the Father and learning directly from him, you will come to me. 
For I am the only one who has come from the Father's side. I have seen the Father. I speak to you living truth. Unite your heart to me and believe, and you will, you will experience eternal life. And notice that, again, he says experience eternal life. That's present tense. Living kingdom life, like right now. I am the true bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the desert and died. You with me? So the very thing that you're asking me to do, you will die with. But, standing here before you is the true bread that comes out of heaven. And when you eat this bread, you will never die. I alone am the living bread that has come to you from heaven. Eat this bread and you will live forever. The living bread I give you is my body, which I will offer as a sacrifice that all may live. He's He's prophesying about the cross. These words, Jesus, Jesus, these words of Jesus spark an angry outburst among the Jews. They protested, saying, Does this man expect us to eat his body? So you're gonna take everything else spiritually, but you're gonna take what Jesus is saying literally for like they these religious leaders are nuts. Okay. Eternal life comes to the one who eats my body and drinks my blood. And I will raise him up in the last day. For my body is real food for your spirit, and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in, lives in me, and I live in him. The Father of life sent me, and he is my life. In the same way, the one who feed, feeds upon me, I will become his life. I am not like the bread your ancestors ate and later died. I am the living bread that comes from heaven. Living bread means renewal every day like it's something like a yeast that, that builds every day living bread that comes from heaven eat this bread and you will live forever jesus preached the sermon in a synagogue in capernaum and this is this is kind of confusing right do you, do you want us to eat your body jesus like i there's a friend of mine um his wife was going going to uh trying to get a job at King's Academy and they have this thing called a blood contract. It's a weird name. <laughs> weird name for a but it's basically a contract that says you know, I've been washed in the blood, I've been saved. Which, you know, for a church folk, you're like, okay, that makes sense, whatever. But to somebody who's not really a church goer, that's like, well, this is a conversation he said. He said, I don't think that God would want us to eat his body. Right? So then you can see how even to, in today's world that this can be confusing. So to clarify, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, bread is the picture of resurrection. Because bread rises. Bread is a picture of resurrection. What Jesus is telling them is that Jesus, that if, if you accept him, what's dead in you will be resurrected. What's dead in you will be made alive. And, if, and, and the blood is often also a picture of wine. And so blood and wine is a picture of sacrifice. Right? So, this is Jesus when he talks about drinking his blood, saying, if you accept my sacrifice, you, you will have eternal life. Today. It's not a process. It's today. You'll have eternal life. And then sanctification happens, which is a process. It happens over time. So the question becomes... Maybe this morning you need to accept his body for the first time. 
Now this case, you can do that today. And what a greater time to do it than an intimate time like this. When you know you have a group of people that's it, that will come around you and rally around you and cheer you on and be like, it's my God who did that. But he goes on, he goes on to say, and when many of Jesus' followers heard these things, it caused a stir. That's disgusting, they said. How can anybody accept it? Without anyone telling him, Jesus knew what they were outraged and told them, are you offended over my teaching? Like, really? Out of everything you've heard your whole life, these other religious leaders say you're going to get offended by that? What will you do when you see the Son of Man ascending into the realm from where he came? If you think that's bad, wait till you, and you're going to push me away because of that, wait till you see me rise, then what you going to do? See, the Holy Spirit is one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is no help. The words I speak to you are spirit and life, but there are still some of you who won't believe. In fact, Jesus already knew, uh, knew from the beginning who the skeptics were and who his traitor would be. It's... Judas Iscariot, okay? He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one will embrace me unless the Father has given you to me. And so from the, that time so from that time on, many of the disciples turned their backs on Jesus and refused to be associated with him. Jesus said to his 12, and I wonder if this question is true for us. And you, do you also want to leave? When we hear something that we may not agree with come from the pulpit, like we know it's biblical, but we don't want to believe it's biblical. Do you, do, do you want to leave too? Because it doesn't fit in your opinion. Because we have to either believe the Bible is true completely. Because with the claims that it makes, we can't believe what's partially true. It's either true or it's not. And if we can only believe part of it, then we can believe none of it. So Jesus said to his, to his 12, do you want to leave also? And he goes on to say, do you also want to leave? Peter spoke up and said, but Lord, where would we go? No one but you gives us the revelation of eternal life. We're fully convinced that you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. We've seen too much to not believe. Then Jesus shocked them with these words. I have handpicked you to be my twelve, knowing that one of you is the devil. Jesus is referring to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, for he knew that Judas, one of his chosen people, was getting ready to betray him. I'm going to go ahead and start reading John 7 just to prepare us for next week. But I want you to listen real close to what this encounter that Jesus has. And, it, and here's the crazy thing. It seems like two totally... Like, why did they put these stories back to back? Based on what we just read and thought about, this next section makes perfect sense. Right? Listen. After this, Jesus traveled extensively through the province of Galilee. But he, he avoided the province of Judah, Judea, for he knew the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were plotting to have him killed. Why? Because he just said, I am God. I am the bread. I, only I can give you life. Now the annual feast of tabernacles was approaching, so Jesus' brothers came to advise him, saying, Why don't you leave the countryside village to go to Judea, 
where the crowds are so that you, your followers can see your miracles. No one can see what you're doing here in the backwoods of Galilee. How do you expect to be successful and, and famous if you do all these things in secret? Now is your time. I'm glad his brothers could decide his time. Go to Jerusalem, come out of hiding, and show the world who you are. His brothers were pushing him, even though they didn't yet believe in him as the Savior. Like, I don't, to their credit, if Justin came to me and said, I am the Savior, the Messiah of the world, I'm locking him up somewhere, and I'm getting like a bunch of white trucks and some lawnmowers and all kinds of stuff. Like, he's going insane, insane asylum. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get their... My, my time of being unveiled hasn't yet come. But any, but any time is a suitable, suitable opportunity for you to gain man's approval. That, like, if I said something like that to Justin as a kid, me and Justin would be fine. Like, if you want to go get some else's approval, you know what I'm saying? See, the world can't hate you, Jesus said. The world can't hate you, but it does me, for I'm exposing their evil deeds. That part that's uncomfortable in you when you sit in church or you hear somebody talking about sin, it's not that they're judging you. It's really probably God exposing in your life what he wants to change. You can, you can go ahead and celebrate the feast without me. My appointed time has not yet come. Jesus lingered in Galilee until his brothers had left the feast, left for the feast in Jerusalem. Then later Jesus took a back road and went to Jerusalem in secret. During the feast... The Jewish leaders kept looking for Jesus and asking around, where is he? Have you seen him? Because they're wanting a fist fight. They want an argument. They want to, they want to show their strength. <clears throat> and here's why. A controversy was brewing among the people with so many different opinions about Jesus. Because you're going to have an opinion about Jesus, but there is one truth about Jesus. With so many different opinions about Jesus. Some were saying he's a good man. He was more than a good man. While others were convinced, and instead he was saying, he is just a demagogue, which is um, basically a fake, a fake prophet, a fake this. Um, some translations even translate it as saying he's demon-possessed, because you know they said that he casts out demons because he is possessed himself, right? Yet no one was bold enough to speak out publicly on Jesus' behalf for the fear of the Jewish leaders, not until the feast feast was half over, did Jesus finally appear in the temple courts and begin to teach? <laughs> the Jewish leaders were astonished by what they taught, what he taught and said. And they even said, this is this, <laughs> how did this man acquire such knowledge? Um, where do you think you got it? You know what I'm saying? He wasn't trained in our schools. Who taught him? So Jesus responded, I don't teach my own ideas, but the truth revealed to me by the one who sent me. If you want to test my teaching and discover where I received them, first be passionate to do God's will, and then you will be able to discern if my teachings are from the heart of God or from my own opinions. Charlatans praise themselves and seek honor for men, but, but my father sent me to speak truth on his behalf, and I have no false motive because I seek only the glory of God. Moses has given you the law, but no one, no one of you is faithful to keep it. You talk to people who force other people to obey the law. So if you are, if you, if you are all lawbreakers, why then would you seek to kill me? And some of the crowd shouted, "You must be out of your mind! Who's trying to kill you?" 
Yeah, I'm sure the Dish Slayer's lot. And Jesus replied, I only had to do one miracle and all of you all of you marvel. Talking about doing the miracle on the Sabbath when he healed the man by the pool. Okay. Yeah, isn't it true that Moses, your forefa- Moses and your forefathers ordered you to circumcise your sons even if the eighth day fell on the Sabbath? So if you cut away a part of a part of a man on the Sabbath and it, and that doesn't break the Jewish law, why then would you be would you be indignant with me for making a man completely healed on the Sabbath? Because he's going to break every every rule that you have set up in your heart. He's not going to he's not held by by your doctrines or theology, for he is the doctrine and theology. It's him. Stop judging based on superficial on the on the on the superficial. First, you must embrace the standard of mercy and truth. So, before the law is ever put into place before we cast judgment on somebody for the way they're living guess what he's telling us to do mercy and grace and love are more important than what the law says then some of the residents of Jerusalem spoke up and said isn't this the one they're trying to kill you just said who's trying to kill you so like people blow my mind (laughs) so why so why is he here speaking publicly and not one of the Jewish leaders is, uh, is doing anything about it? Are they starting to think that he is the anointed one? You know, the religious leaders are starting to give gifts at this point. You know what I'm saying? But how could, how could he be since we know this man is from Galilee, but no one will know where the true Messiah comes from. He'll just appear out of nowhere. Verse 28. Knowing all this, Jesus one day preached boldly in the temple, temple court. So you think you know me and where I come from. But you don't know the one who sent me, the Father who is always faithful. I have not come simply on my own initiative. The Father has sent me here, and I know all all about him, for I have come from his presence. That's why you don't know where I come from, because you ain't been there. You think you might have been there when you entered that Holy and Holies or that reading that that Old Testament, your manuscripts, but you you have no clue what you're even talking about, because I've come from his side. His words caused many, many to want to arrest him, but no man was able to lay a hand on him, for it wasn't yet his appointed time. And, and there were many people who thought he might be the Messiah. They said, after all, when the anointed one appears, could he possibly do more signs and wonders than this man has done? So when the Pharisees heard these rumors circulating about Jesus, they went with the leading priest and the temple guards to arrest him. When Jesus said, my, day, my days to be with you are numbered, then I will return to the one who sent me. And he's talking about when he would die on the cross, resurrect from the dead, and ascend into heaven. Okay? And you will search for me and not be able to find me, for where I am you cannot come. Now listen to how left-brained these religious leaders were thinking. When the Jewish leaders heard this, they discussed them discussed among themselves. Where could he possibly go that we won't be able to find him? Is he going to, to minister to in a different land where our people live scattered among the nations? Is he going to teach those who are not Jewish? How dare he? What did he really mean by this statement? You'll search for me and won't be able to find me. And where I am, you can't come. There's going to be a day when you will not be able to seek Jesus when his grace and mercy will have run out and now your only option is what you chose here on earth to do. The consequence of that is life and hell. 
there's only to be a day when that will happen. But we have this truth, we have this promise from Jesus who says that today is the day of salvation. While there's still breath in your bones, you can seek Him and find Him. Next week, you got to get somebody here with you. Next week, it'll be powerful. Trust me. But today can be powerful for you if you need it to be. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be done. But you can come up here. I'll sit here for a few minutes. If you want to accept the salvation that is for today, come talk to me. Come tell me what's up. But he has so much more for you than you can ever think, dream, or imagine. What you're dreaming about right now, what, what God can do for you, guess what? It's better. It's better than what you even think. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that you are a God who wants to give us more. That when we ask for more, you're willing to give it. God, I pray that over the ones here and those listening online, later, God, that you there's healing that happens, there's peace that happens, there's joy that happens. May somebody be set free today. May they taste the living bread. May they taste the wine that gives them eternal life. And may they accept you today. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your presence. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. I love you guys. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Great week. And then next week, come with somebody. Have some fun. And you can go down some slides. You can go down a slide. All right. See y'all next week.